Greetings and salutations, everybody, and welcome to the Cult Spark Podcast. In this episode, we jump onto the Iron Throne to talk nonstop Game of Thrones. Longtime Cult Spark contributor Terrence Abar joins me to chat about the season seven finale, as well as assess the season as a whole. We also list our three favorite Game of Thrones characters, well, one of us does anyway, and ponder where the show might go from here. The Cult Spark Podcast starts right now. Hope you enjoy. Uh, so Terrence, you haven't been on in a while, huh? No, I haven't, man. I've been busy. I've missed you. I've missed you too. What do you, what have you been busy doing instead of talking to me? Ah, uh, just you know, adult stuff, life uh, stuff. Uh, adult stuff. It's the worst, isn't it? Well, I mean, I temper that with a Nintendo Switch, with I bought <laughs> with Mario, Mario Kart 8 and Legend of Zelda, which are both excellent, by the way. You gotta keep that kid inside of you alive. I'm trying to keep him alive, because without him, I don't know how long I'm gonna last. So, so you haven't been on the show since we switched to the new format, which is we're gonna talk for about 30, 40 minutes, and we're sticking to one subject. And this week, that subject is Game of Thrones Season 7. I've already had my coffee and I've already smoked my bowl, so let's do it. <laughs> so we're going to – here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about some of the topics related to the show that people have been debating online. And okay. I, I, th- I think the main one has been did season seven of Game of Thrones, which just wrapped up its run Sunday night, did it move too fast? I think that finale took its time setting everything up. And uh, it was a little more dialogue heavy than I would have liked. Well, I'm but talking I mean, about, I'm, wait, wait, wait. I'm talking about the season as a whole. Did the season, we're going to look at the whole season. And did it move too fast compared to past seasons? I don't think so. I think it's good that they finally got the walkers in play now. The walkers are officially on the board. It seems like they've been coming forever. But, you know, now they're finally here. And uh, I'm just happy about that. And I want to see what happens in a year or two. I do kind of feel like we've had like at least three seasons where the final shot of the season was like the White Walker army on the move. Right. So I'm not sure how effective that last scene was. Yeah, they're tearing down the wall over by Eastwatch, but I mean, I guess it means they're close. They're they're officially invading the north now. Yeah, they're past the wall. And so now from here on out, we should definitely see them on the attack. Yeah, that's true. It's just, I know there was a lot of criticism this year, which I kind of get that the pacing was insane, that you were just, you know, it took years to get, to get Daenerys to Westeros, and now all of a sudden it's just, she's here, and she's fighting, and she's falling in love with Jon Snow, and like, you know, there's this slow, slow buildup, and then it's like a roller coaster, and things just went out of control this year. But the opposite, yeah. the opposite argument of that is, is that there's no more boring episodes, the show's finally moving. But I think some people think it strains sort of believability. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think also by removing Littlefinger from the cast, now they can focus less on the political aspects of the show and now focus on just, you know, what everybody's been wanting to see since the first episode. Uh, Everybody, though, because some people like the political stuff. I mean, I like the two, but I think at this point now it's time to get down to like you just want to get to the action. For you, it's I about just, let's bring on the fights, let's bring on the battles. You don't need any more backroom maneuvering, and you're done with that. Well, I'm. I like the backroom maneuvering. I mean, all the stuff between Littlefinger and Varys that was classic stuff. And like I read, um, I believe it was an EW. They were saying that it's a shame that we're not going to get at least one more scene of the two of them together because those were pretty great uh, scenes, not only in the dialogue but also in the delivery of the actors. 
But um, now that little finger's gone, it's it's now it's gonna go to what drew me to the show in the first place because from the very first episode, I was sold on um that one shot of that dead white child turning around with these blue these glowing blue eyes. And like from that moment, I was invested in the show. So I'm glad to see them finally bringing that in and making it the threat that they've been promising for like seven years at this point. Speaking of Littlefinger, let's talk about his death, which when I watched the scene, I was delighted. I mean, I just thought it was fantastic. And then the more I thought about it after, the more I thought, I'm not sure this makes sense in the context of the universe. I mean, why not just invite Littlefinger into Sansa's room and stab him? Why make a big show of it? Why have a big, you know, surprise and pretend that you're going to incriminate Arya and instead trick Littlefinger? I mean, what's the point of that except to trick the audience? And, th- and then I saw a couple other people mention something similar on Twitter. And then I decided I didn't really care because the scene was so awesome anyway. Well, but, I but, think that uh, Ned Stark, he was always like a bit theatrical, I guess. It's, I don't know if that's the proper word, but with like dealing out justice and executions, he did it sort of in a way that like people knew that they weren't fucking around like this person was going to get punished or I, I honestly think that's a fair defense and it's not just Ned that's kind of the show as a, as a whole I mean they're always making statement executions on Game of Thrones Right right So it's kind of heightened and maybe not totally realistic but it does kind of fit with what they've always done on the show and it's kind of a statement execution I mean they're doing it in front of you know, all the Lords of the North, and I guess it strains re- realism a little bit, but, I mean, the scene's so kick-ass, right? Oh, it's a fantastic scene, and um, the only thing I'm disappointed about in them getting rid of Littlefinger is, like, yeah, I'm glad that the Starks got their revenge, because, after all, he was the one who got Ned, like, he got him executed, let's just put that out there. And um, the only thing now is that now that he's dead, it just feels like... Like, I'm trying to kind of figure out what his M.O. was, like what his plan, what his end game was. Like, was he trying to get the Iron Throne? Was he trying to get somebody specific in the Iron Throne? Like, I don't know. I just felt like it was his whole whole build up a little finger and it kind of just now it's over. And I feel like I didn't really get an answer as to what his end game yeah, was. I, I totally agree with that. He's like a snake in the grass. He's always plotting people against each other and turning people against each other. But the show never really gives you a clear reason why yeah and he was doing it with a with a high enough degree of success that it was like okay this has to be going somewhere he has to have at least one last master plan but it's almost like it's like he didn't have a plan he was just an asshole right right exactly like that's how he wound up i honestly believed he was gonna like make one last move that was gonna be like holy shit you know like now we see what he was up to I, i mean the scene was tons of fun it also fixed I mean, my least favorite parts of the show the last four or five weeks was the Sansa Arya stuff, especially once they started being antagonistic to each other. And I would just, and I, every week I would scream after the show. I would yell at my wife. I'm like, why, why are they doing this? Why don't Arya and Sansa just have a conversation and figure out it's Littlefinger? Why are they falling for this dumb shit? And it would make me mad. And then at the end, of course, you realize, no, it's the show tricking you. They weren't falling for it. So I'm relieved that no damage was done to those characters, that they were being as smart as they should have been. It ends up being a narrative trick, which, you know, your mileage may vary, but at least they haven't damaged Sansa and Arya's characters. 
Oh, I definitely agree with that. They definitely did what they had to with Littlefinger, and it definitely um, put the two of them in the light that they deserve. And, uh, you know, I was with you on that. I was wondering, like, if it was going to, something crazy was going to happen, like Arya was going to kill Sansa and take her face. But um, I'm glad it didn't wind up like that, like you say. Okay, let's talk about video game style fast travel. <laughs> which is something else that everybody's complained about this year. I'm just going to I'm just going to put this out there. I have allowed the show a temporary suspension of logic and disbelief and <laughs> I just take the the traveling and all that stuff like I just take it whatever with a grain of salt and I try not to question it too much. I give him a pass on that because it's just weird, man. It's like in the in the books the timeline is much more condensed and they don't age as much. But due to the logistics of the show, you know, they can't help that. That's why Bran looks like a fucking, 80. like you say, 23 now, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever. But, um, yeah, dude, it's just, uh, I just take it with a grain of salt. I mean, I kind of do too. Uh, the only thing I might dispute is that it, it's not really temporary because this has been going on for years now. I feel like it's gotten progressively sillier every year. Like, I, yeah. I, like in season one, doesn't it take them like all season to get from, for Winterfell to King's Landing in season one. Well, they had to take like coaches and all that stuff. I would assume that it would take at least a fortnight, or, whatever or like, like the time that is. A fortnight. Yeah, and now it's just anybody goes wherever they want instantly. I mean, it really came to a head during the episode where the Jon Snow super team is trapped on the little piece of ice, you know, on the little ice island by the Which, White you know Walkers. what? I wasn't even particularly crazy about the way they handled that whole scene. You know what? I just wish they would have done a better job illustrating the passing of time. Because right. I saw so someone on Reddit actually did the math. They, like, took out, like, the geography of the books and figured out how fast a raven could fly and estimated how fast a dragon can fly and estimated how fast... Uh, what's his name could run back to send the Raven. And they, they came up with that. It would probably take a minimum of four days for Daenerys to get there and rescue them. Well, so, what's up with the fact that the John super team doesn't even need to wear hoods in like blinding ice and snow. Like well, I don't... <laughs> they have flaming swords, Terrence, they have flaming swords. So, I mean, I get it though. It's like the production just, does that. So we could see their faces. We just, know who's who just if they've all got hoods on. It doesn't look good. Light, I get it. Light the flaming sword up and just kind of wave it under your balls a couple times. Not too close, but <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, four days. So the question is, did the show is first of all is that believable? Could they have survived on a chunk of ice for four days? Uh, it's a fantasy. Well, if they show, had we'll Memphis bread, of course, man. <laughs> oh, keeps yeah, <laughs> obviously it keeps you fulfilled for a good week <laughs> with a bite. And fair point. And um, I think we're doing a little world mix mixing there, but hey, it happens. It happens. And then the other thing is, is did the show properly convey that they were there for three or four days? Because I felt like it was just overnight. I think you know what I I actually had no idea it was that long. I think overnight was what I was expecting. Well, it doesn't. I mean, the the show, like I said, it was someone on Reddit that put together that four days was probably the minimum it would have taken. So that's not to say that the show said it was four days. I don't know. And they, that's even they kind of they even. cheated. I mean, they cheated because it's the north. There's not really day there. It was just always like this late evening sort of sunlight. In the so who knows how long it was? 
they just cheat a lot. But I'm fine with it in service of a good story. And I, I mean, overall, I really enjoyed this season. You? It's, I, I enjoyed it. And I think, you know, any cheating that they've done, it's easy to overlook. I don't think, you know, any of it was like jump the shark quality. It, it's still, no. it's still holding true. I, I saw some jump the shark type things and it's like, no, I mean, there have been seasons worse than this. I mean, Game of Thrones had some disastrously slow seasons. Uh, um, I think you five, know what? I'm like, gonna, I, 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 I hear, think it was five. I think season five is the one that barely moves. I hear a lot of people say that Game of Thrones is one of the greatest shows of all time, if not the greatest show of all time. But I respectfully disagree with that. I think for a show to be considered one of the greatest shows of all time, it has to have like a lack of bad episodes. And Game of Thrones does have its share, man. They it definitely has some bad slow stretches. I, I mean, there are one or two maybe weaker seasons in there i I mean i I think it's always been good tv yeah but i don't think it's always been great tv but i think this season despite the fast travel despite the incredibly increased pacing i think it's been a great season yeah no i've i've enjoyed this season i i watched it every sunday night i didn't even dvr it man i watched it what do you think was the biggest misstep they made this year so let's say we let's say the biggest misstep we thought it was going to be the aria sansa stuff but it turns out they were just tricking us and it ended up fine in the finale so what what do you with that out of the way what do you think was the biggest misstep they made this year i think the biggest misstep they made was just in the pacing of this last episode i thought that the build-up i don't know man i just i felt like that those first like 30 40 minutes just kind of dragged along and uh it, it definitely threw the pace off of the finale. Yeah. Of the meeting. So you weren't a big fan of the meeting. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of... And Cersei's wig is terrible. That's a huge misstep. <laughs> Cersei's wig. You know what, though? They, I mean, they spent so much time on all those characters coming together because we needed the scene with the Hound and his brother, his zombie brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had that those two reuniting. We had uh, Bronn and Tyrion reuniting. They got a moment. We had Jaime and uh Brienne we had Jamie and Brienne reuniting they got a moment so you had like lots of mm-hmm. people who were who were together a lot did you say Podrick show. and uh Tyrion yeah Podrick I did not but yeah so we had to have time to get all those people together and give them a little moment I like that well you know what I actually now that you mentioned that I did appreciate the fact that you had so many reconnections in that episode and it kind of served to remind you like wow this show has been pretty like complex in its storylines how the way the characters weave in and out of each other's like storylines it's kind of cool man it was that was a good episode in, on that aspect I think I think the biggest part I had an issue with this year was their plan to bring a single white to king's landing to convince cersei to basically drop her sword against them and fight the the northern threat it was and pretty it's like, idiotic it's an idiotic ridiculous plan who thinks that's gonna work well you know why i kept thinking to myself why didn't um why didn't daenerys take one of her dragons and like go right. like closer like meet them right. at east watch or something why didn't she well she didn't quite believe and she wasn't totally on board and she has bigger fish to fry with cersei but yeah i mean she could have gone and laid waste to a, a mile of white and they could have just at grabbed... least provide them that backup you know what i'm saying like right. i don't know she, she i i just there. thought that was just it's, an overlooked i mean the way they were they did it it was basically a suicide mission even if they pulled it off 
Cersei was going to have to agree to a meeting. There was almost no chance she was going to go along with it. There's suckers to believe that she's going along with it. Yeah. It just, considering the complex storytelling that has defined Game of Thrones in year past, years past, it seemed so simplified and, and just kind of stupid. Well, I think we're going to get a lot more with that, of that kind of uh, storytelling over the next six episodes, which, you know, I feel like they've got a lot of ground to cover with only six episodes left, but they're supposed to be longer, right? A couple of them? You know what I read yesterday is they can't go over an hour and 30 minutes without all the actors getting pay raises. It's like a guild type rule. Like they have to keep the episodes at a hundred hour and 29 minutes or less. So I think most of them are going to be between like an hour and 10 and an hour and 25 like an hour and 29 and 59 seconds right so right exactly so the dinklage doesn't earn another couple mil uh so we we, we agree it's an insane idiotic plan but it, it at least it did give us our game of thrones super team where we got to put john and jorah and the hound and tormund and all those dudes on the same side for a couple episodes which i think that kind of sums up this whole season of game of thrones as a whole where it's ridiculous but it's awesome yeah, I agree. I agree. There's nothing like a, a team of angry dudes who don't like each other getting together and killing right. Some it, tur- it it turned on a, like a men on the mission movie with the best characters in the show. What do you think of uh, Ben Richten Darian? I, th- I he's like one of my top three favorite characters on that show. Really? Yeah, man. I think mm. he's awesome, man. He's got like like a level of class to him. I don't know, man. I think he's cool. He's up there. I like Jorah for the same reason. All right, let's do top three. Top three Game of Thrones characters. Give it. Damn. Um, in, in like particular order as well? No. Three in any order. All right. I like Benric the Darien. I like, um, I like Jon Snow, man. I think he's, he's good, man. He's a good hero. And, uh, oh, he was such a, the, he was such a drag in the early seasons, though. He was, but it's like he's really coming to his own, man. He's the one holding everything together, you can say, you know. It's uh he's doing a good job. So Benrick, Jon Snow, and um Damn man, I just uh so tough, dude. Alright. Um, part of me wants to say Stannis, actually. Stannis. Alright, I'm giving you my three. My three destroy your three. Uh I'm gonna put <laughs> I'm I'm gonna put one lead, which is Arya. Arya's amazing. Uh, has had the best character arc over the whole show. Love the way she's played. Arya, definitely. And then, okay. uh, next two, I'm gonna go with, uh, Davos. The I un- wanted to say him too, man. That's what I'm saying. There's the just too many good Knight, characters. Who's amazing. And then probably Braun, who's just always an endless source. Oh, man. You see, look, I forgot to say him. I'm just scratching my three, and I'm going to go with another three, which I'll I'll tell you another time. Okay. Oh, my another time. Like when season seven ends and we do this again. The I next mean, podcast. Look, it, it, is, it is hard because, I mean, the show – I mean, part of the reason the show – I mean, I didn't even name The Hound. I mean – Yeah, part, man. Part of the reason the show is such a, a success is because there's so many great characters. I mean, Jamie Lannister's a pretty great character, and – I mean, it's just, it's such a well-cast show. You know, they have these all these great characters, and they were really well-cast. Okay, so what else can we say about the new season, Terrence? I thought it ended on a good note. Um, I was kind of curious about why Tyrion was kind of looking, yeah. you know, like why he was looking the way he did. Creeping, wait, you, you actually... talk, wait, 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 you're talking about him creeping on, uh, 
creeping on Daenerys and Jon Snow at the end there while they were getting I busy? Would, I wouldn't call it creeping. And, like, at first, after the episode ended, it kind of left me wondering, like, what's the deal? Is he, like, in love with her? What's going on? I, but you know what? I was actually – I watched the HBO uh, Inside the Episode thing, and they kind of explained that uh, Tyrion is just concerned about – what the union of these two in this fashion would mean overall. He says it's a good thing, but at the same time, it's going to bring up a lot of bad things. So that makes sense to me. I thought it was a strange sort of ominous note. I didn't really get, because I didn't understand it either, because I'm not under the impression he has any romantic feelings for Daenerys at all. Right. And if that's something that's in the, I I guess it wouldn't be in the books, because the books are not even at this point. Right. But, so I, I didn't think that worked. And so, right. So, right. What you said, is it a matter of him being suspect of what them boning means for their team? Which well, I, somebody somebody was saying that it's possible that he may have on the low, like joined up with Cersei to keep her interests like uh, no betraying that, Daenerys. That would essentially that would be terrible. I don't I'm I, just bringing up a theory. I, I, I don't want Tyrion going back to the Lannister side. I think that's a bad twist. Especially since, I mean, it looks like it's clear that Jamie's on the way out. And I honestly think Jamie's the one who kills Cersei. I think that's what his arc has been set up to be this whole time. Uh, if, mm-hmm. he, if he doesn't outright kill her, I think Jamie's the one who brings her down. So then how, with his brother already sort of looking on the outs, I, I mean, how does Tyrion, I just don't know. None of that makes any sense. So I wasn't too sure of what that scene, and he was creeping. Come on, that was creeping. Well, what do you think uh, about the theory that Jamie Lannister is maybe the prince who was promised, the Zora High? I don't know. I don't. I try not to speculate on that stuff too much, honestly. I let the show. I think that's part of the fun, actually. All that speculation. I talked to. uh, You know what? When we uh, when I talked to Joe Shansky about Twin Peaks a couple weeks back, we got into this where he's the kind of guy, and a lot of people are the kind of people who try to figure out shows. I'm more Mm -hmm. I'm more content to go along with the flow. And if it and if I'm surprised, it's fantastic. And if it doesn't make sense to me, if it seems like a twist that doesn't make any sort of having any internal logic, I get angry. But getting ahead of the show, it's never good. I mean, West, like I said, Westworld was less fun because the internet crowdsourced it and had the whole season figured out by episode three. I completely agree with you on that. And so you know, I try not to get that far ahead. I was a little disappointed because I keep expecting. Davos and Melisandre to bump into each other, and um, that's definitely going to come up in the ne- in the next season. Co- and, and speaking of Melisandre, she had to have uh, uttered one of the most interesting lines, um, where she told Varys that they were both basically going to have to come back to uh, to Westeros to die. To, they're going to die there. So let's talk about some of the things we have to see in the final season. So we have to see some sort of scene between Melisandre and Davos, correct? Yes. And I think we need the sort of Cersei, Jamie. Like I said, I think it's destiny that he's basically the one that's going to ultimately deal with her. What else do we have to have? We have to have, I really want to see Daenerys, the offspring of Daenerys and Jon Snow, because I really want to see her lay a dragon egg. (laughs) 
that's that sounds wrong kind of in a, a way but a okay big blue one. they they you know they do keep making a big point out of how she can't have kids that was like driven home repeatedly this year so maybe that will be the final shot of the show you know and the, like john snow kind of well, like the way he insinuated they never really confirmed that she couldn't i, have kids. I didn't even going, remember any of that that must have been like season one stuff or something i have no memory yeah, of that. They, well that that witch told her that she was barren but they i don't think they ever confirmed it you know, a lot of people are theorizing that uh, Bran is actually the Night King. I've heard this. And I think it's actually going to come down between Bran and Jon Snow. And uh, I don't know, man. I'm getting this strange feeling that the show is basically going to do a Dark Tower and reset. No. No. Why I'm, would that happen? I don't know, man. That's I've been a, having no. this feeling for a while this now. This is a terrible prediction. First of all, you would just be accused of ripping off the Dark Tower Second of all, everybody would be furious. Zero chance, Terrence. Zero chance. All right, I'm. I'm just saying. I'm throwing it out there. If I'm wrong, I'll gladly oh, admit it. Oh, but you're wrong. I'm just saying. I. It just seems to be where this show is going. And or I think that Brand is going to be able to go into the past and change things that need to be changed. I have a feeling it's going to get reset. I don't know if I buy the Brand is the Night King theory. Although I do feel like the show wants to pull at least one more big twist. Oh, for sure. Um, do you think either Jon Snow or Daenerys are going to die? I don't know. You know, one of the big criticisms this year was that they it's too predictable now, that we've settled into our group of heroes that can't be killed, that there were no major deaths until Littlefinger. Right. So, I mean, I'm sure they're going to – I mean, I actually think Braun should have been <clears throat> killed in that episode where Jaime ends up under the water when the dragons attack the Lannister army. I think that would have had more power if somebody would have died, either Jaime or Braun, and it probably should have been Braun. You know, we should talk about the fact that they've never mentioned that they had ultralight mithril uh, dwarven armor because these fucking guys can sink to the bottom of a goddamn lake and swim right back up with no problem, it seems like. So so now for your for your stuff to work, for your theories to work, they have what's it called? Lambus bread. Mm -hmm. They have Lambus bread and now they have mithril armor. They have so, very light dwarven armor. <laughs> so the logic of Game of Thrones only works if they have all the food and items from from Lord of the Rings available to them. I think at the end of the at the end of the series, they're gonna thank a very special thanks to J.R.R. Tolkien for giving them the tools they needed to finish the series out. <laughs> Literally the tools. <laughs> did you come up with your Did you come up with your top three characters yet? No, I can't. It's just I, I, I've been thinking about it and I can't. It's just there's too many to name. I would need like a top ten, I think. I bet your top three is Theon and then two of the Sand Snakes. Oh, you think um, what's her name? Alaria. You think her and her daughter that we'll see what happened to the two of them? Who's Alaria? Um, the one that was kidnapped by Euron with her daughter. The Sand Snake. Yeah. I don't know. Nobody cares about the Sand Snakes. Really, nobody. I kind of want to see. Nobody I mean, that, that was kind of like a horrible uh, fate they were left to. I mean, She's chained there to watch her daughter what? die. There's going to be the B story next year where Theon has to go rescue his sister and, like, sort of reclaim his manhood in a sense. And we'll see, like, the Sand Snakes in passing there. Maybe he'll get them out, too. You think they're going to give him a gilded golden penis the way they gave uh, Jamie a new hand? Is is that in Lord of the Rings too? Do, do they ask? Why, yeah, dude. Why you gotta take this show dirty, Terrence? Why must you take this show dirty? All right. Well, I think that's I think that's gonna be enough for this episode. Thanks, Terrence. You're welcome, Bob.